Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. We're going to continue our series on boldness, and uh, this morning especially, we're, we're talking about a new playbook. How many of you know that uh, there's two ways to play in any sport? You can play to play or play to win. Did you know that? Listen, the devil isn't playing to play. And we're in a battle of eternity, and we've got to play to win. And this morning, you're going to hear me say some things like, like holy huddle. Say holy huddle. Okay. If, don't get upset when I, when I kind of pick on this this morning, because I'm not against, you know, the Bible says that uh, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together. Right? We're, we're supposed to come together for the holy huddle. Amen? Do you know what I'm even talking about? Showing up for church. But if you don't break the holy huddle and snap the ball and move it forward and play offense, you're not going to win any games. I, I, I was put on this earth to be a winner for Jesus Christ, a soul winner. And so I've got to be willing to change up my playbook. Sometimes I think our playbook is so defensive. I don't mean... I don't mean defensive in, uh, emotionally, but I mean defensive in a way of, well, I'm just trying to get my bills paid, and I'm just hoping my car will start. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just I'm hoping Chloe won't run away this week. And, and, you know, just all these little things that she did, by the way. It was terrible. But uh, she's still alive. But, but, but all these things are just defense. None of that's a threat to the enemy. None of that's boldness. Listen, listen if... If you want to do something for God, it's going to require faith. And, and that means you've got to change your playbook from this constant defensive thinking to going on the offense. Amen? I, I want to show you where God's playbook changed in the New Testament. Because the people of God went for 400 years, say 400. They went for 400 years between Malachi and Matthew without a word from the Lord. And then the next time a word from the Lord shows up, it doesn't show up in Jesus. It shows up in John. It's John the Baptist that changes the playbook. In his boldness, this, uh, this camel fur-wearing, locust-eating, wild man from the woods, come on. I mean, it looked like he ought to be on, like, Bonanza or something, man. This guy changes the playbook because it's all defense for 400 years. And then, bam, we go on the offense again. Watch this. It, it says in Matthew 11, 11, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. This is Jesus talking here. Have you ever stopped and wondered, why would Jesus say this about John the Baptist? None greater? None greater. That's what he said. You mean... a you mean he's greater than Elijah? That's what Jesus just said. You, you, you mean he's greater than Moses? Do you, are you getting this? Don't read by that. Jesus just said, this guy is the greatest ever for the kingdom. And it stumped me, man. When I've read this the first time, you know, just with, with, uh, with seminary eyes, and I'm starting to look at it, I'm thinking, what is God saying here? Because John the Baptist never produced one miracle. Now you're thinking, you're trying, yeah, you're thinking, oh, well, I don't know, Pastor, let me see. I, I, I might have, man. He, he didn't. 
Never raised anybody from the dead. Never healed the sick. So how could he be greater? And Jesus says, this guy is the greatest yet. And, and you might be here today, you might say, Pastor, you know, I've never done anything miraculous. I, I, you know, to be honest with you, it's, it's hard for me to just, to just tell my friends at work about the Lord. And you might be thinking, you know, I, I don't have what it takes to do anything great for God, to go on the offensive for the kingdom of God. And, and I want to show you this morning that Jesus is looking at a new category here, and he's saying this is what's greater. It, it, it's, it's almost like he's saying, if you thought everything else my father was doing, wait till you get a load of this. You thought that was all great. Get a load of this cat. He's even greater. What made him greater? He introduced the world to Jesus. Look at, look at, I know it's a nasty Nerf ball. I wanted to get a regular, regular one here. But the ball gets snapped. John gets the ball. Jesus appears on the scene. The ball gets thrown. And watch this. If you know anything about football, the ball gets thrown in front of the receiver. He doesn't throw it to. He throws it in front of. And this is where Jesus now, John prepares the way for Jesus, and now the whole world can go on the offense and score because the ball got snapped with John, and now John is doing the, the ultimate Hail Mary. Come on. No, no pun intended, Catholics. Uh, he's, yeah, come on. He's doing the ultimate Hail Mary, and he passes it off to Jesus and introduces the world to the Messiah. That's what made him so great. And that's all you got to do. You say, well, well I, what gifts do I have? You, you've got them. Use whatever you've got and, 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 and break out of the holy huddle and know that God has positioned you to go on the offensive where you're at to introduce the world to Jesus. That's what made him great. Look at this in verse 12. Actually, I need to back up. It says, anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, Jesus said that, not me. He did. If, if you're playing by the playbook of the kingdom, even the least person in here, because of introducing the world to the greatest receiver of all time, greatest touchdown scorer of all time, Jesus Christ, you're greater than John the Baptist. Now, I know that's not your confession. Because it's tough for me to say, you know, I'm like, really? You know? This pudgy, portly, stout guy, I'm, I'm better than John. I don't, why do you, why, how do you do this with me? But that's what Jesus said. So if Jesus said it, that's my confession. Amen. Could, could you do that right now? I'm not playing. It's not rhetorical. Awesome. It's great. <laughs> so, thank you, Lord. <laughs> so, could, you, could, you just say, could you just say that I can be even greater than John. If I pass to Jesus. That's all that's required. This ain't hard. This ain't, look at this. Verse 12, it says, now here's where the playbook changes. From the days of John, the Baptist until now. See, it wasn't this way before John. See, see people weren't ready because the play, it, we're not playing defense anymore. It says, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been what? Forcefully advancing. Forcefully 
advancing. You may wonder why I get so passionate about stuff. You may wonder why I want to see a church that grows outside of the building, not, not just in. You may wonder why I've got a heart for evangelism and missions and, I, and here at home in Finley. You, you know why? Because I hear an ambulance over by the parsonage three or four times every single day. And that's not all people going to the hospital because they've got a bellyache. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And it's forceful men that lay hold on it. It's not effeminate men. It's not weak little sissy. Pansy. Hi. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for a kingdom that is advancing. We thank you that we get to be a part of it. That, God, in boldness, we are filled with your spirit to advance, God, the gates of your kingdom. And, God, if, if you promised us that, God, you'd build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail, then, God, we'll move our gates. We'll advance your gates, God. We'll advance your lines in Finley. And in this area, this is yours. This is your territory, God. We claim it for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Who played high school football? Anybody? Oh, that's awesome. That's th three or four people. That's good. Any cheerleaders in here? And it, oh, hi, Jocelyn. You were a cheerleader? Nobody else? Never, you weren't a cheerleader? Wayne, your hand didn't go? I thought your hand. No, Wayne. Wayne said, no, I'm never a cheerleader. You know, they got God cheerleaders. You're not one of them. <laughs> no, you're, you're a real dude. I had a burger with Wayne the other day. Oh, my. It would have got, oh, man, it was so good. Let's go back, brother. All right, you pay, all right? Yes, okay. Uh, we just, we tore it up, didn't we? We had, we had a couple of dudes. You play football, you know this, there, there's always a rival team. And, and for me, growing up, Okay, you play hockey, that's great. Awesome, buddy. But if you play football, you know that there's a rival team. And the rival team is always the big game of the year. It's not, it's not necessarily the championship game. It's just the, it, the biggest game of the year is, is, is playing Michigan. Come on. That's the game we're waiting for, right? And you're excited about that, too, because you can't stand Michigan, can you, Sarah? Can't stand them. Scott's not here, so we're going to talk about it. Where is he? Oh, you're up there. I was just playing. I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. All right. He is here. Well, well in, in my hometown, uh, sorry about all this. Let me reel you back in, okay? Some of you are like, is this even church? All right. So, so in my hometown, it was Hobart Brickies, the Hobart Brickies. And I was, I was on the Laporte Slicers. I was a defensive end for the Laporte Slicers. And don't go getting that I understand sports, okay, because I don't. I was a musician. But I played one, just one year because uh, my uncle told me that I'll never get a girlfriend if I don't play some sports. And so it was really the motivation wasn't sports at all. I couldn't even get my pants on right. I had them upside down all the time. Everything was a mess. But uh, uh, if, if they snap the ball and, and, and you, you cross the line of scrimmage uh, before the ball was snapped, what they would do is they'd put a Hobart Brickies jersey on you during practice which means you would have got tore up for the next two hours straight. And wouldn't you know, every single practice, I got the red shirt, Hobart Ricky shirt on, and I just got the tar beat out of me all the time. That's what's wrong with me. I still got a little bit of an, still got a little bit of something, something there, but uh, I, I can remember 
I can remember when, when, by the way, I need to tell you what slicers are. Slicers, my hometown invented, you know where you go to the, you know when you go get the nice lunch meat? I'm not talking about that stuff that's in a package that's all like canned spam. You know what I mean, in a package? It's just spam. Spam's good with pork and beans, but that, not on a sandwich. You, you know how you go and you get, you get that slicer and you get, you get the thick slices? Come on, thick, thick, yeah. That's what those are. They, they, those, were, those were made in my hometown, slicers. That's who we are. And the brickies, that's just a dumb brick, okay? It's dumb. So, so we faced the brickies. This was the biggest game of the year. They were AAA school. We weren't. And, and, and we, we, we show up for the game, and the game is close. The game is so close that, uh, you know, by the time we get past halftime, everybody's excited. We, we might finally beat them. Hadn't beat them in, 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 in like 10 years or something. I can't remember. But anyway, I remember our coach saying, get back out there. This is our day. This, we're going to win. And we were on their field. And I remember we, we went out, we lined back up, and we started losing. We started losing all the way until the end of the game. And I just started feeling that, just that feeling, that big old, like, nasty feeling like I had, like, uh, like, like I just had a ton of weight on me the whole time. I'm gonna, that's a long drive home. We lost. You know, then we have to face everybody at school, you know. And, and, and I remember there was only one minute on the clock left, and we were down by, we were down by a touchdown. Uh, there was one minute on the clock left, and I remember we, they've got the ball. And it's like people are getting up and leaving. All the home fans are getting up. They're going home. They don't want anything because they think the game's over, right? And once you know in that last minute, uh, defense, come on, whoo, defense knocked the ball out of one of the receiver's hands, and we ran it back for a touchdown, then had a kick and won the game. Woo, la, la, man, it was so cool. We come home heroes. It was awesome, man. And what gets me is, is in that last minute, everything changed. And, I, and, I, and I, I don't know how many football games you've watched, or basketball games, or baseball games, but it almost seems like it's in the last few minutes of the game that, that, that the game is won. It, it, you start getting this end zone mentality. You, you know that it, that it counts. And, and, and I, I want to tell you why you were born in the last days. Because heaven knew you would make it count. Now just stop it. Stop thinking any other way. You were picked for such a time as this. You were chosen. God in his ultimate plan knew that for us to win and win well, that you had to be born at this time. And that's who you are. And and so, so win. And stop thinking that just because You've been playing defense forever that God won't turn it around in the last moment. I want to tell you, it's in, the, it's in that last moment. The fat lady's just giving, getting ready to sing, and it turns around. Come on. And God wants to turn it around in your life and in your church. And it, Listen, but, but it, it goes way beyond you cowering and living your day-to-day, week-to-week life and not having any, anything of a testimony other than, well, I'm just trying to make it. Hey, how are you? Well, I'm just working. What are you working for? I don't know. I don't know. That's a great testimony. You see, the devil, the devil is playing tackle. And the church has to stop playing two-hand touch. This ain't flag football. This, this, the devil is playing for real. And we've got to play for real. We've got to advance the kingdom just like John. So what was so different about John's ministry that we can take maybe some lessons from? First off is this. John never preached in the temple. 
We have a synagogue mindset sometimes. Where for it to happen, it's got to happen in here. Really? That's not how to win games. All of John's preaching was out, in the, out, out, out with the people, out in the wild. He'd come out of the wilderness eating locusts and honey. If you want some honey, go see Dr. J. Jason's got some. And if you want locusts, stick around. They come. He roast a few up. He comes out wearing camel hair, and he's preaching in a synagogue. Nope. Outside. He was an outhouse preacher for an in-house world. That whole entire culture thought that for it to be God, it had to be in God's holy place. And God changed the playbook. God said the holy place is out there everywhere. And that, that, that's something different about John. And Jesus followed up with it. Jesus followed up with it. You see, it was John that revealed who Jesus was, not in the temple, but out by a river. Jordan, think about this for a minute. In John thir- chapter 1, verse 35, it says, again, the next day, John was standing there with two of his disciples, gazing at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There it is. His preaching was about Jesus, and it was outside, not inside. 99.9% of what I want to do is outside. Get with your pastor. If you're so excited about this building, you're not on my page. Are you listening to me right now? I'm not excited about brick and mortar. I'm excited about hearts. I'm excited about souls, about broken little kids, man, about about little, little glens out there that need to become pastors someday, that come from broken homes where mama and daddy are drunk all the time and stoned all the time. Yeah, that's me. Somebody went outside and got me. And now you're stuck with me, so I don't know how that works. He showed the world who Jesus was, not in the religious places. He showed the world who Jesus was out where everybody was, everyday life in the marketplace. That's why you're there. That's, you're not there to pay bills. You, don't, you, you weren't given that job by God so that you can just make it through the week and get to the weekend again. And maybe catch a, maybe, maybe catch a couple shows on Netflix. You were, you were there on assignment. You were God's offensive player to score points on assignment that's why you're there when you get into the holy huddle and it breaks in this church you need to be thinking about souls and about lost people and about broken people and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say this it's not my notes but i'm gonna say it don't you ever have another political conversation with someone listen to me carefully don't you ever talk to them about whether they're a democrat or republic republican a green party a snot party and any party Tell them about Jesus. Oh, three people clapping. I don't need to be popular. We're having the wrong conversation. That's not the conversation John had. John didn't go out and preach Caesar or against Caesar. John went out and preached Jesus. (laughs) I got four friends now. Right? Right? Hey, man, listen, get, get, get them to know Jesus. Everything else will start changing. Don't, don't change them from the outside in. Deal, let God deal with their heart. But you're going to have to have boldness. You're going to you're gonna have to be willing to be used by God in a way 
And as soon as you do, the enemy's going to show up. And I got, a, I got an example that I want to use, but before I do, I want to talk about how God gives direction in that. How many of you are old enough to know? George, you probably remember this, buddy. How many of you are old enough to know? They used to sell these football game uh, little, little vibrator boards or whatever. I don't even know what they're called. And you'd set up magnet. Okay, and you'd set up your players, right? And then you turn this stupid thing on, and these players are going... And somehow that was supposed to be fun. What did you... What, did anybody... What did you do with that? I didn't do anything but set everybody up and then turn the button on, and then... And then, you know, they'd go all over the place, and somehow that's supposed to be... I, don't, I still don't get it to this day. So, so here's, what, here's, here's what sermons are like. Here's what sermons are like. You come in for the holy huddle, you get with pastor, you get with all the other people, feeling pretty good. Hey, it was a great Sunday. Let's get out into the world. What was that message about? I don't know. What am I supposed, where am I going? I don't know. Circles, vibrating off the field. Can I, tell you, can I tell you how God gives direction? This, it's counterintuitive. It's paradoxical. It's not how you think. Here's how God gives direction. He puts the enemy smack dab in front of you. That's where to go. To the fight. To the problem. You say, no, man, I want to I vibrate away. I want to get away from that. See, sometimes even in our prayer lives, we're, we're not just playing it safe, we're praying it safe. We're asking God to reduce the enemy that's in front of us, and God says, no, he's just as big as I need him to be. Bigger than you. I wonder if you're getting this. If, if you're looking for your life, to, if you're looking for your life to have direction, you're going to come in complete opposition to the oppressor. You're not going to, listen, and he's not going to show up and say, hey, hi, let's go get some soup. We got to fight this weekend, but listen, we can, we can talk about this. He's going to show up big and ugly and nasty and grody and ferocious. And, 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 and you're going to have to say in that moment, okay, God, thank you. I'm right where I need to be. Okay, so there's this guy in 2 Samuel, chapter 23, verse 30, or 22. Just like, just like John the Baptist, this guy Benaniah, he is a rear end kicker, man. He, he is bad to, the, bad to the bone. His name means Yahweh makes strong. And the Bible says in this passage... There's three things he goes up against. The first one is this. He goes after a lion and kills a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Now, it only snows in Jerusalem three days a year. How many of you know that if it's snowing on a day you want to kill a lion, that's probably a bad day? Not only that, it's not only a bad time, it's in a bad place. He's in a pit. He chases it into a pit. Now, how many of you know that that's a low place, right? And you don't have friends in that low place. He's got a lion down there. 
And then the next thing is this. It's a 500-pound lion. And the Bible says he has a lion's steak. Kills him. I want you to see, bad day, <laughs> bad place, bad opposition. Winner. Let's go a little bit farther. Not only that, but he faces uh, another guy. This, uh, this guy, particular, this Egyptian warrior, he stands seven and a half feet tall. He's got a weaver's rod. And, and that's like half the size of one of these pews. And it, can you just imagine someone seven and a half feet tall and, and the, the reach that they have and then a weaver's rod at the end of that and all you got's a club? Is this bigger than you? Is it bigger than him? But what's his name mean? God makes strong. See, we, 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 we tell the stories of the Bible wrongly. That's why people get bad theology and they grow up and they don't believe God and have faith for greater things. You see, we tell the story of David and Goliath, but we don't, we don't tell the kids that God sent Goliath. That it was ordained for Goliath to be Goliath. That even the sword that Goliath made, God ordained. So that it would equip David. You see, a stone didn't kill Goliath. Goliath's own sword did. So what's coming against you only equips you to remove the head of what stands against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But what's coming against you is bigger than you. And that's on purpose. Because God says, I want to know, will anybody show my power? It's not, it's not showing his power that you get up on Monday morning and you, you punch in on time. It's not showing his power that you make it through the work week and now you're ready for biscuits over at Red Lobster. They are quite good. I, I could just go in and eat biscuits. It's not showing his power. What are you really up against? And everyone that's lost and everyone that's broken around you is watching that story, not the story of you making it through the week, not the story of you on the treadmill. Everyone around you is watching you face the giants. Here is Benaniah. God makes strong. Yahweh makes strong. And he whips this big seven and a half foot Egyptian weaver wielding. Say that three times fast. Kills him. And, and, and that's not all. On, on his resume, it, it says that he also, he goes up against two people at once, two Moabites at once, and whips them both. You know what David says? David says, I want you to be one of my bodyguards. Now, how many of you know that's a pretty cool job? Right? But you don't give that to cheerleaders. Most of what we do, don't take this critically. I'm just being, this is de facto, matter of fact. Most of what we do is just cheerleading. And nothing wrong with that, you know? Nothing wrong with that. Cheerleaders are cool. Don't get all mad and email me later. You cut down cheerleaders and you're mad. Get saved, it's all right. But most of what we're doing is cheerleading. How is it really winning a game if there's 12 guys out on the field and 20,000 people in the stands. 
all going, yeah. David didn't want a season ticket holder, and he didn't want a cheerleader. David wanted a lineman. And David said, your resume matches where God's calling me to. David was a king. In many ways, David was a foreshadow and type of Jesus Christ. Jesus picked one too. His name is John. God is looking for forceful people. For John the Baptist, for Benanias. Willing people who are willing to trust God to do things that make their knees knock. That makes them question whether or not they can do it. When's the last time you've ever been at that place? You say, Pastor, your job is to give me a Snuggie sermon. Let me remind you of what my job is. Romans 14.23, whatever is not of faith is sin. It doesn't take faith to be a cheerleader. Because you're not taking the hits. Someone else is. I feel like Elmer Fudd. It's very, very quiet. I hear Christians say this all the time, but it's not in the Bible. How many of you know that? Can I, can I just give you a few? When somebody dies, and i got to do a funeral, and I can tell how ignorant some people are. I mean, I'm telling you. I'm just going to go there. Some people are ignorant. I love them, but they're ignorant. Well, heaven needed another angel. Are you literate? Did you, where'd you get that? That heaven needed another angel. We don't go up to heaven. And, we're not fat little babies that play on clouds. Little harp clouds. on. Come on. We'll play little harps on the cloud. My wife's got these pillows in her house on, on, on the couch. It's these fat little naked babies playing little harps on, floating on a cloud. <laughs> oh, that's heaven. Not for me, it's not. I want a clothes. I want clothes on, man. I'll play guitar, that's fun. But don't make me float on a cloud. Here's another one. Here's another one. I hear this. This is ridiculous. Well, God will never give you any more than you can bear. I heard a raspberry on that one. Where'd that come from? I think the scripture you're trying to quote is, God will not allow you to be tempted. But what you're going through is definitely going to be more than you can bear. Because if you, don't, if you don't understand that, then you don't understand how to ever learn how to rely on the power of God to do anything. It is going to be bigger than you. That's the point. Because it's not bigger than your God. You have got to learn that what you're up against is just an invitation for God. It's not about you or me or, or our limitations or even our strengths. It's about an invitation for the Spirit of God to show up in the midst of what I'm going through and show the world who Jesus is. Benaniah wanted to be next to David. <laughs> Some people want to be next to the pastor. 
I'm pastor's best friend. He liked me. He liked me. I grew up in Chicago, so, so we, I grew up during the three-peat of the Bulls. You remember this? They just kept winning championships. You, you don't know this? Michael, MJ had a, had a dream team, man. It was awesome. I'm sorry you weren't in Chicago during that time, but I was. And I remember, I remember Phil Jackson. There were these guys that were on the bench, and they were closest to Phil Jackson. But the people Phil Jackson was concerned about and looking to and had his eyes on were not the people on the bench or the or the pews <coughs> i said i'm sorry i didn't i didn't mean that at all forgive me <coughs> he wanted to be next to david and the problems he faced promoted him you want to be next to christ you want to be next to god but it's the problems you face in the midst of people watching that places you next to Christ because he's ferocious, man. It, my Bible says my God is a warrior. It, he's ferocious. If you want to be closer to Jesus, you've got to be willing to take on some big problems. You're, you're going to be rewarded in heaven and on earth for the problems you solve. I got a trash man that comes by. He picks up the the church garbage and stuff i think he does it for free he's been doing it forever and because he does it for free he comes at about five in the morning on monday (laughs) praise god he solves a problem right and he is blessed in accordance to the problem he solves see some of you don't want to solve problems you want to run from them some of you want to be problem children And God says, no, I birthed you for right now. And it's 11.59 on the clock. And there's one minute left. And it's time for a touchdown. And I sent you. I sent you to solve that problem. And you say, well, God, I'm here to tell you about it. I'm the world's foremost authority on telling you about the problem. God says, I already know the problem. I know how big that problem is. I want to know if you're going to invite my presence or not into that problem. You're going to talk about how big I am. He's going to keep reminding me that there is a problem, as if God don't know. This is what Benaniah does. He solves three problems, and the resume of his problem-solving, forceful advancement, strategic offense, lands him next to the king. And I want to be close to Jesus too, but you can't do it on the bench. You can't. You can't do it in a holy huddle. You can't. Oh, I ain't done. I got 20 more minutes. What are you doing right now? Checking out. See, there ain't anything you can do about it. I guess you can get up and leave. I'll come chase you in the hallway, preach the rest. Did you know this is wireless? I could go out there and do the rest right out there. See, look, look at this. Look at this. This is amazing. Well, well, well. I can, I can even all come all the way back here. Let's see what you got on your phones. Candy Crush? Soda Crush? What are we playing this morning? Hello, hello. <laughs> Isaiah is a really cool scripture. Let's close with this and have some communion. 
Isaiah has a really cool scripture. You ready for it? God says this. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And then he says, for as far as the heavens are from the earth, my thoughts are that far above yours. And I got to get you to understand that if you don't face problems and conquer them strategically as a witness for the Lord, you're not believing in a big God. Your God is only as big as the last thing you ran away from. I don't see anybody in the Bible empowered by the Holy Spirit running away. The word is stand, 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 stand. There's no running. So you want to know how big your God is or how much faith you've got? It's not your, it's not your bench sitting. It's not the fact that you've been on the team for 20 years and you're real close to some of the coaches around here and, 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 and we'll put you a little plaque up out in the hallway because you've been here for 20 years and died there. Congratulations, your music died with you. Never came out. That's not what God wants. Now come on. He says, my thoughts are above your thoughts. So let's do a little let's do a little math. Let's get geeky. Let's get really geeky. We we kind of float around this star that's 93 million miles away. Light leaves that star at 186,000 miles a second. When you go outside and you look up at the sun, mama told you not to, but if you did, you see the, that star as it was 8 minutes ago. That's how far away it is. It took light going 186,000 miles a second, eight minutes to get to your eyes. You seen a full moon last night? That was the moon two seconds ago. I don't mean to really blow you away, but everything you see with your eyes is really in the past. Man, I'm telling come talk to me later, because I'd really like to lay something on your sandwich. That, Walk by faith, not by sight. This is all in the past. It's already in the past. But but God says, my ways are above your ways. They're so much bigger than your ways that, listen, listen, it's as far as the heavens are from the earth. We're we're in this galaxy they call the Milky Way, and every time I hear that, I think of the candy bar. (laughs) 200 billion stars. Just, just, Just zooming, man. But, but astronomers say that, that we might be in a universe, I don't know, but, but somewhere near 14 billion light years. There are points off in space where the light is just now getting to us. And every time you see those points, you're just seeing as it was. Well, Proxima Centauri, Alpha Centauri, that's four and a half uh, light years away. You're seeing it as it was four and a half years ago, not as it is now. And you look at the cross and you, you can't see that, that God was slain from the foundations of the earth and that God was dealing with everything you'd ever face at one moment long before you would ever even be born to face it and knew that it was coming and dealt with it right then and there. And God says 14 point something billion light years away. That's how much bigger my thoughts are than yours. 
And then we want to tell him how big it is, what we're, we want, God, you would, heartburn again, Lord, please. We want to tell him, not that he's not moved by every little need, but listen, we glorify these problems. We magnify, what does Psalm say? Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be, to be praised. What does magnify mean? It means enlarge. I can go to the copy machine in the office, and I can press the enlarge button, and if you're not careful, whatever it is, it only takes a couple presses, and now it's suddenly bigger than the page. What God wants you to do is to be dropped right in the middle of a situation and then whatever it is you're going through, instead of enlarging, pushing the large, enlarge button on the situation, in the middle of that, you start enlarging your God. And you say, my God's bigger, my God's bigger. Come on. He's ordained this moment. That, mu- that must be why I'm here. And I know that He's here. So, so come on. I'm going to open up a can, devil. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you had, you were somewhere else. <laughs> you press the enlarge button on your God. And that's how big He is. And you have got to start showing people around you a God that has raised you up to be a lion hunter. A God that has raised you up to be an enemy defeater. A God that has raised you up to give a testimony of what He can do in every situation. And not how big these things are that surround you, but how big your God is.